0: You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. If we haven't met, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Willamette. It is officially, 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 officially the Christmas season. Can I hear a cheer, a woot, a fist pump, a thumbs up, whatever it is. And if you're not ready for it because it's not December... You just got to roll with it. You just got to roll with it because today begins Advent for so many of us in this Christmas season, and we have an Advent devotional for you. We gave out hundreds of these last week, and we have a limited number remaining in the lobby as you leave today. Uh, If you grab yours today, you can start Advent on time, which is today we begin Advent. And if you did not get one of these or you prefer a digital option, if you scan the QR code in your bulletin that looks like this, we always talk about, and you're like, what does happen when I scan that QR code? There are lots of great things all about the Christmas season, including the PDF version. And for all of you audible people out there, we have turned this devotional into a podcast. And so you can listen to it on your way to work or however that works for you. And that's all on the QR code. You can find that by clicking on the devotional. It is the Christmas season. And before we jump into the message today, I also need to let you know about Christmas at Willamette. Here are the service times. It's time for you to talk to your friends and your family. Last year, we did one service on the 23rd, and it was overflowing. So this year, we have two services on the 23rd at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., and then on Saturday, December 24th, 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. We're really excited about that, so make sure that you know what time you're going. Invite your friends. It's going to be great. But before we get into all that, we are finishing up our series that we've been doing all month long, and we're calling it entrusted, as we've been looking at how it is as followers of Jesus, or if you're considering following Jesus, what does it mean to not just believe in God, but what does it mean to, to follow God, to live for God? What does it mean to participate in the goodness of God in the world in which we live? And so all series long, we've been, we've been kicking off with kind of this theme here, and it's this. Everything we have has been entrusted to us by God, And we are accountable for how and for who... We leverage it. Everything that we have has been given to us by God. He gave us the breath in our lungs. He gave us the brain to think. He has given us everything. And, and we've been entrusted to God with everything that has been given to us to live for him. To, to not just believe in God, but to live for God. And 1 Corinthians 9.3 reminds us of this, that we are co laborers together with God. You and I, we're, we're same team. We are meant to be together, co-laboring, partnering together as the local church. Church, not just random people who believe in God. We're called to be together and we're partnering together with God. We are in partnership to live out a bigger purpose than our own lives. And so when we live this out, it should reflect our values. And that's why here at Willamette, we have these three values that kind of mod- that, that model this out. Radical hospitality, uncommon humility, and sacrificial generosity. This is different than a statement of beliefs. This is different than, than the. Theology of what we believe about God, but how do we live for God? And so these values, they model it as we look at the scriptures, and we also know. But these are countercultural. In a world that is possessive, in a world that's all about me, in a world that's just kind of getting ours, this is a, a life living for others and thinking about what God has called us to as we co labor with Him. So during this series specifically, we've been fo- focusing on sacrificial generosity. What does it mean with what God has given us in our resources, in our finances, in our money? If everything is His, what does it mean to be entrusted to manage that well? to participate in what God has invited us into. So this is week four of this series, and I'm not gonna lie, this is the best one. If you're here for the first time, you pick the best one. This service today, there's like, this is toe touch Sunday, okay? I don't know how else to explain it. This is like, I would try to click my heels, but we don't want injuries, okay? Uh, But this is a fun Sunday because as part four, we've been talking about all about the principles. Today, what happens When we actually live this out, what are the results of kingdom impact as we we trust, as God trusts us, and as we partner with God? So this message is broken into two different parts, okay? Uh, The second part, I'm going to tell you about the second part first, which is actually kind of backwards, but in other words, we're going to get to the second part, and I'm just going to tease it out right now. At the end of this message, we're going to talk about how God is working through Willamette and all the things that we support locally and globally and all that God's doing as we partner together. I'm going to give a big announcement that if you were not at Vision Night, you don't know about. If you were at Vision Night, you do know about. And I'm going to share that big announcement. We're going to watch a video. It's going to be fantastic because it's something that we're going to do here at Willam. It's going to be awesome because we're partnering together and then i 'm going to share, and I do have a slide about this about our, our Christmas giving, and that begins today, and this is a one time gift beyond our regular giving to support individuals and families in need during this holiday season. This is not year of end of year giving this is a Christmas benevolence giving that our church does once a year, and we help people in need and we support organizations that are supporting people in need specifically during during the holiday season. And here's my hope, that there would be 100% participation. That no, no matter what the amount is, because you're a part of this church, or or you're at least considering being a part of this church, that we would gather together to do something great during the holiday season, regardless of the amount, because 100% of this Christmas giving, 100% of it goes away. It doesn't stay with us. It doesn't help pay the light bill or anything like that. 100% of it goes uh, to those that need this holiday season. That's great. But that's the end of the message, you guys. That's, that's the second part. What we're going to start with is a phenomenal toe-touch, right, toe-tap story in the book of Ezra. Okay, Ezra, there it is. Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And I got to tell you that this was not the original plan. Every once in a while, we kind of have a plan for what the message is supposed to be. And I was reading uh, the book of Ezra kind of on my own a couple weeks ago, and this scripture just captivated my heart and it's still in line with everything that we had planned to do. And I love this story because as you hear this story, it is a celebration story. It is a fun holiday story of Thanksgiving and and people rallying together. There's no real downside to this story, so sit back and enjoy because this is really good news, this whole story. But it goes so much with our own lives of coming to Jesus personally, but also corporately as a church, coming before God and partnering with what God is doing and celebrating together. The name Ezra, it's not just a book of the Bible. Ezra uh, was this, this man, and Ezra actually means, the, the word Ezra actually means helper. In other words, Ezra was co-laboring with God. He was partnering with God and God had entrusted Ezra to go back to a, a city that was completely broken down, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra. This is kind of the same story. Ezra or Nehemiah rebuilt walls in Jerusalem that had been torn down during captivity. Ezra came to restore the house of God. Ezra came to restore the temple and to restore the altar for people to worship once again. Where there had been no worship, the people rallied together and came together so that God could be glorified in the midst of a dark time. And it is this beautiful story where people returned from captivity, personally and corporately, and they had this yes in their hearts. Like, let's do this. Let's go. Let's, let's be on the same team. Let's see God be lifted. It up in a dark season. And I believe that for us. I believe that personally, that, that for many of us, we know that we've been far from God and there's a yes in our heart to follow after Jesus. For, for us as a church, that we would say, you know what, during a, a, a rough season or a rough year, the last few years, let's be a church that rallies together and, and makes the name of God be glorified. Let's lift him up in this dark season so that we can live for God and honor God, not just believe in God, because God has entrusted us to partner together with him to see his name be lifted up, to see people be restored and redeemed. So that's what this story is all about. Again, I hope, you know, the lights are bright, but I hope smiles are on your face right now, because this is a good story. The whole story is good. So we're going to go through it verse by verse, beginning in verse one, and here is how it starts. It says this, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. So again, here's how it starts. People are coming back from the Babylonian captivity. They've been in prison. They haven't worshiped God. Here they come. They're coming back, everybody. They're coming back. They're rallying together. These are individual people, individual lives, individual stories, all different backgrounds, but they assembled together together as one for a common purpose. Not random people doing random good things, but they came together to say, let's do this together. The people of God doing the work of God. Okay, verse 2. It says this, Then Joshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build. So here they come together and they have some leadership. And Joshua, son of Josadak, he is the first high priest. That is the high priest since captivity. This guy is, he's got a job to do. The entire city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. The altar's been ruined. They've worshiped false gods in, in the midst of all this. And here comes Joshua. He's the first high priest. He gathers together with some people and they begin to build. But not only was he the first high priest, Joshua was the grandson of the high priest that was put to death by Nebuchadnezzar. So so it's kind of in the family line, except his grandfather was the one who was put to death. So here comes Joshua, and he's like, we've got some unfinished business in here. He, he, He knows where his grandpa's been. There's this resolve in him, and he's basically going, not today, Satan, right? Like, he's like, it is my turn. I'm stepping up to the plate, just like I believe Willamette is stepping up to the plate in this season, going, ah! I know it's been hard. Ha, huh. we got some unfinished business. Let's rally together and let's build. But what did they build? Here's how the verse ends. It says this. Began to build the altar of God, of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So they didn't just like, let's build, I don't know, let's you know, build a house. No, they, they came specifically. Not just random good work, but they built the altar of God to worship God. They wanted God to be lifted up. Not just good people doing good things. They wanted to worship the one and true God in Jerusalem on God's holy hill, established by God in accordance. These weren't random thoughts. These weren't like, hey, what do you guys want to do? It wasn't up for a vote. There was a plan established by God in the law of Moses, and they said, let's stay true to what God ordained. Let's stay true to the purposes of God. Just like God has established the local church in the New Testament, where God goes, I have a plan. Uh, Jesus goes, I'm leaving. You're staying. Establish the church through the local church. The ministry, the hands and feet of Jesus will continue. Not just random work, work established by God. Verse 3 says this, Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. Again, this verse kind of points out the resolve of the people. There were so many excuses to be distracted. So many things going on around them. And I love this word despite. Despite is kind of like a a little bit of a locker room type word, right? Like I know what the enemy is. I know the Oregon Ducks are like going for the national title. But you know what? Okay, just, 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 that's for all you Beaver fans. I'm a cougar. I'm a bystander here. I'm a bystander. I'm just, Watching a game. I'm just watching a game. But there's this despite. I just like it. I like, I like just, I, I just, it makes me kind of like do this with my face, right? Like, despite their fear. Like, we know what the, the times in which we live, we know everything that's happened, we know the history, we know that right now there are people all around us that want us to fail. And I'm talking about these guys. But do you see the parallel? of this day and age, that despite the fear, despite of all the circumstances, despite all of our reasons where we could go, you know, this is just kind of how it is. Despite their fear, they built. They had resolve and dedication. Again, not to do just random good things. They had a desire to build the altar, to worship God, to lift up the name of God, the plans and purposes of God, not their own agenda. Here they are coming back from captivity, and they could have said, honestly... Honestly, the best thing I can do right now is just care for my family. We've been in captivity. I just need to focus on my family right now. That wasn't the plans and purposes of God because when you focus on God, you get into the plans and purposes that God has for your family. There was an intentionality of the people as one for God's plans and purposes to prevail. Then in verse four, it says this Then again, in accordance, with what is written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles with the required numbers of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. Again, they aren't making things up. They're not like, let's just do some stuff in accordance. They're following the scriptures with what is written. They celebrated worship, and they're coming together. This was this big celebration, the festival of tabernacles. So much of God's plans and purposes for the church are to celebrate. Some of you know this, like from Saturday Night Live, remember the like, need more cowbell, right? You know what I'm talking about? Need more cowbell? Like back when I was at Hope City, our other campus, I kind of came up with this phrase, churches need more cowbell, right? Like, like there just needs to be more celebration. It's good news. Jesus is alive. We have been forgiven from our sin. We should have a little bit less of this and a whole lot more of this going on in the church. And it's what God prescribed. It's good news that God restores and redeems people. Can I get an amen from somebody in church? This is good stuff. God's like, this is my plan. Like you, when you're following me, you will celebrate. And the the festival of tabernacles, it was one of three major feasts That they did on purpose to remember how faithful God had been when he led the Israelites out of Egypt and wandered in the wilderness. That God never left them or forsook them. And when you feel like everything around you, and when you have legitimate fears, and when you're coming back from captivity and you're trying to follow God, it is so good to remember the faithfulness of God. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And as you and I remember what God has done, that God has been faithful, we can have a little bit more resolve and a little bit more faith as we lean into the unknown because this is who our God is. And so they celebrated this, this big celebration. And again, they're following the required numbers. They're following God's plans and purposes, but they weren't done. Look at what happens in verse 5. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings the new moon sacrifices and the sacrifices for the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those brought as free will offerings to the Lord. So here's what this is all about. All this kind of stuff up here, they presented the regular burnt offerings. Again, there's a, a plan and purpose that God prescribed in the law for people to follow. He is showing people different from the rest of the world. We are the most generous people in the world. We live this way. We give, we celebrate, we live a way, in a culture different from the rest of the world, prescribed by God. But then there was this thing also known as free will offerings. Free will offerings were completely voluntary, there was no rules, there was no prescription, there was nothing anybody had to do. This was a want to. And so people, these people who had experienced captivity, who had tasted and seen that the Lord is good, rescuing them out of captivity, they didn't just do what was prescribed by God, they also brought their free will offerings and they gave above and beyond what they normally did because of the the joy that was in their hearts. And so this is kind of giving us a picture of what were these people like? Were they just following rules? Was, was this just kind of connect the dots and you have to jump through all these hoops? No, 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 no. These people knew what it was like to be far from God. These people were rallying together as a unified people to restore what had been broken down with a faith believing that God was gonna be lifted up. And they came and they did the festival, they celebrated, they gave, then they gave with their free will offering. And then in verse six, it says this. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, even though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. So again, they're they're offering burnt offerings, even though there's still no temple. They came to restore the temple. There's no temple. All they have is an altar. That's all they have. And even though it's not done yet, even though there's no foundation, they're like, we're not waiting for everything to be accomplished before we start worshiping, before we start celebrating, before we start participating. Again, this is kind of like that word despite. This is a, a second phrase, even though. Even though we're not there yet, even though we still have a long road ahead of us, even though we would love to be farther along than we wish we were, even though we have good work to be done right now, we have good worship to be done, and God restores and God is attracted to worship and to sacrifice in the midst of a larger work that's been going on. And friends, can I just talk straight to you? Some of you may be waiting and hoping and kind of holding on for certain things to work out. But I'm telling you that the scriptures are very clear that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And you might be a work in progress. And if you're not, like I, don't, I can't relate to you because this guy is a massive work in progress. But in the midst of it, we are invited in our brokenness, in our unfinished business to go before God And to say, God, I will worship you. I will live my life as an offering like Matthew prayed earlier. All that we are is a worship to you, even in the midst of unfinished business. And I love what the late great British theologian, pastor Alexander McLaren, he he wrote about this specific text. And this is what he said back in the 18th century. He said, there cannot be a temple without an altar, but there may be an altar without a temple. God meets us at the place of sacrifice, even though there be no house for his name. Let me explain this just a little bit. You see, there wasn't a temple yet, but there was an altar. And you cannot have a temple without an altar. But this scripture shows us, even though there wasn't a temple, as long as there's an altar, as long as someone is coming before God and worshiping God and giving their life to God, God will show up even if there be no house for his name. In other words, in the midst of unfinished business, God will show up. These people were getting a glimpse of what this, this church, if you will, the, this people of God were all about. Their hearts were passionate for the work of God. Despite the fears, even though there was still work to be done, their heart was like, we wanna worship here and now according to the way God prescribed it for us. And then verse seven gives us some detail. It says this. Then they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa, as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. So this, if you're, if you don't know, you're just reading through this, you're like, okay, so they built some stuff. Here's what you need to know: these cedar logs by, by sea from Lebanon, this is the scenario is that they are rebuilding a temple that once was built by Solomon. If you've ever heard about Solomon. He was the richest man in the world, wisest man in the world until he did some really bad things. But his his building of the temple was one of magnificence, including cedar logs by sea from Lebanon. And here it's been completely destroyed. The Israelites have been taken to captivity from Babylon. Now they're back. There's nothing left. They have just pennies of resources compared to what Solomon had. Yet again, this reveals so much of their heart. They could never restore the temple the way it once was, but they were committed. That kind of motley group of people worshiping God with an altar and no temple, as they began to build, they were like, God, we're still gonna give you our very best. Come on, somebody. They're like, you know what, Ooh, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh Jesus, thank you for your grace and mercy. Ooh, I, I got so much work to be done, but in this state, God, I'm still going to give you my best. This reveals the heart of the people in the state of where they are and what they believed God to do. They still brought the very best for God. And then verses 8 and 9 give us even more detail. Here's what it says. In the second month of the second year after the arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of jo- Josadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work. They appointed Levites, 20 years old and older, to supervise the building of the house of of the Lord. Verse 9 Joshua and his sons and brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodviah, the son of Henadad, and their, their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. In other words, a lot of description here. Here's what we need to know everybody was in. This wasn't like this group of people or this group of people from 20 years and up. They were not like helping. They were supervising, building the temple, the house of the Lord. No one is just waiting around. Everyone's in. And then the final two verses, as we wrap up part one of this message, it gets to kind of the celebration. It's when they've already done the festival, they've already celebrated, but now the altar is built, they're building the temple and then the party erupts when the temple is finally built. And here's what it says. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good, his love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Here comes all the people. Here come the trumpets. Here come all the people. A great shout to Lord. His, he is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And they're all praising, not because they built their own houses, not because they got an upgrade, not because they got a Christmas bonus. They praised God because God's name was being lifted up once again in a dark time. And they celebrated together because the foundation was laid. Still more work to do, but celebrated each step. This is the heart of a people who came together, who understood what God wanted to do in their chapter of their life in the history of Israel. And they're like, we're all in. Let's do it. We got a lot of distractions. We got a lot of history. We got a lot in front of us. But nothing is going to keep us from experiencing the impact of what happens when a people decide to say yes to partnering with God with what he has entrusted to them. So this is a story. This is a story of restoration and redemption. Redemption because people sinned. They, got, they decided not to follow God. Babylon came. They, they took the people away from God when they were doing their own thing. It was a story of restoration of God saying, I'm bringing you back. Some of you can quote Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That was about captivity. That plan, this is the plan of coming back from Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He's restoring them. It's a story of worship and celebration. We are celebrating not stuff, not just things being built, but God's name being lifted up. It's a story of sacrifice and generosity of people saying, let's rally together as one for this good work, not our own individual worlds, not our own individual kingdoms. Let, let's sacrifice those. Let's, let's put those to the side because we know if God is lifted up, there is going to be a blessing, not to make us rich, not, not to overwhelm us, but he invites us into this life that we were designed to live with God at the center. And they were generous. They didn't hold back. They came together. And the work that we see in this world in 2022, this was thousands and thousands of years ago, and there is so much to parallel between the two. That here we are as a people, and God has entrusted us with this chapter of our lives in the history of Willamette, in the history of the local church, in the history of the world is looking for people who understand what happened, who understand the work that's ahead of us, that, that have very legitimate excuses when we look around and go, ha, ha, okay, okay. But then we have this despite in our hearts that we're like, despite all that we're in. And even though the work is great in front of us, there's a, a yes in a heart because the circumstances are hard, but we are committed. And this is what I believe with all my heart. I can't express how appropriate this text is for our lives. I'm just reading this. Just kind of, kind of just personal reading. And this, this portion of scripture just captivated my heart. And I, got, I said, God, I want, I want to be this kind of a person personally. I want to lead a church, be a part of a church, of a people that would have a yes in our heart for coming together, united, worshiping, giving, trusting, celebrating. Church needs more cowbell. That we would understand how good God is. And out of the goodness of God, we would respond So this is the story of what happened when a people came together. The good news is, as much of the work that we have in front of us, friends, we get to also see what God has done. Remember God's faithfulness, part two of this message, of seeing what God is doing and has done, the, the foundation that has been laid of Willamette. So many of you have been here, not just one year or two years like me, but you've been here for 10 years and 15 years and 20 years, and you've seen the goodness of God through chapter and chapter, and you're here for this part of the chapter. And so the good news is, is that Willamette, to this day, has a history of not just, not just creating ministry for us, but allowing ministry to not just go to us, but through us. So I want to share with you where Willamette is currently doing ministry all around us beyond these four walls. For instance, we have what is known as local initiatives. And here is a list of where money goes beyond us, not to us, but through us locally. We have the market that's on Saturdays here where we give out food and we provide um, supplies for people, adoption and foster care, abuse recovery, ministry and services, Compassion Connect, the Father's Heart, the Bible Project, FCA, the Contingent, Public Safety Chaplaincy, Student Scholarship Fund, Westland Young Life, Portland Crew, Willamette gives financially to all of these organizations locally because locally good work is being done in the name of Jesus. And we want to support, and we know that a healthy local church is able to support organizations all around us. So not just Willamette can shine, come on somebody, but the name of Jesus can be lifted up all around us because some of these organizations are doing work better than we could do it if we tried to do it on our own. Can I get a witness from a Somebody, right? Like we partner together, we do this. Not only are we giving to organizations, but every single week, all month long, we are also giving to families in need through benevolence, both personal, individual, and family. We're supporting families, and we have a system so that we're not just handing out money, but we have a system of recovery, of support, so that when you give to Willamette, and we have this phrase, actually it's on the screen, let's let's do this. When you give to Willamette, you give through Willamette. You're not just giving as as people rallying together to lift up the name of Jesus. You're not just giving so that ministry can happen on this campus, but you're giving through So that we can help families in need and organizations beyond us. Yes, here in our church. And I'm so grateful for our team here. I'm so grateful for all the ministry that we do. I'm so grateful for women's community and men's community, home communities. I'm so grateful for marriage mentoring that many of you are a part of. I love what we are able to do here as a church. But we also go beyond us locally, and not just locally, but we have such a passion for not just local initiatives, but global initiatives. And here's where our money goes beyond local. Africa New Life. So many of you sponsor children. Some of you don't know this. We don't just give to African New Life through our sponsorship. Jen and I, we sponsor children. Many, many of you sponsor children. But did you know that Willama actually writes a check to African New Life to support their Africa College of Theology to help help uh, educate local pastors in Rwanda so they can go back to their villages and establish churches with good theology so that, that God can be lifted up in their community? We spend money every year doing that. Compassion International International International, something our Beaverton campus is a part of. New Generations is a beautiful ministry happening all around the world. And by the way, all of this is on our website with links, everybody, okay? But I just wanted you to see it on a screen. A West Africa Project, Forward Edge, and then we have all of these families that are doing missionary work all around the world that we are supporting every single month through a people who come together with a united purpose to say, God, I want your name to be lifted up and you have entrusted me with everything that I have and I want to be a part of something that is lifting up your name all around the world. Yes, here, but also through our city and all around the world. You might go like, well, Brian, if if you gave $1 to every one of those things, that's like 50 bucks. How much are we actually giving? You need to know this, that we are giving almost $500,000 a year outside of ourselves, not to this campus, not to do anything here. We're giving around the world. Yeah, this is important to us. And if you include child sponsorship, it's close to a million dollars a year that we are giving beyond ourselves to make sure that God is being lifted up all around the world. And then once a year, and that's what I mentioned earlier, once a year, this is just happening just because. Like when you give, this is just what happens. So good job. But then once a year, we have what we call this Willamette Christmas giving. This is that one-time gift beyond our regular giving to support individuals and family in need during the Christmas season. Again, this isn't year-end giving. This is just one-time gift during these few weeks of Christmas where we asked for 100% participation that everybody would come together and say, let's do this. We're already doing this year round, but there are great needs during the holiday season. And we want to step up because we give 100% of this away. So this year, for our Christmas giving, our Christmas benevolence, helping organizations and individuals and families in need during this holiday season, we have one major event that's gonna happen that we'll talk about all through the holiday season. And then beyond the one major event here on our campus, we will have different ministries that we support beyond that one event. And I'll list those off for you in just a moment. But I'm so excited about this because you guys, for the first time Ever in the history of Willamette we are partnering together with something that happens globally and we will uh, raise money for it during these Christmas holidays through the Christmas giving and then in February all around the world there will be this event that's going on and so I want to prepare you now for it and we are going to participate all around the world with what is known as Night to Shine which is this amazing, amazing gathering for people with special needs as we, uh, as we gather together together and we put on this massive event and I could tell you all about it and I will, but I have a video to show you. So check out this 90 second video, then I'll show you some pictures. Look at this. heartland farm town fence post sun every west coast big break queen all your high-rise skyline concrete kids every zip code in between grab your first time from porch pounding heart and gas up your chevrolet because the sun's half gone and it won't be long till we make our getaway this is our So On February 10th, here on this campus, I believe that uh, this building, this location was made for an event like this. We found out through many partnerships with uh, families and organizations uh, that support people with special needs that people with special needs and their families and relatives are one of the most unreached people groups in our city because of the difficulty it is for people to attend local churches. And because we have so many people in our church that are connected uh, both personally and relationally we have a down syndrome camp that takes place on this campus during the summer we have different events that go on throughout the year that we are kind of wired and ready for this kind of an event to happen right here at this campus so i want you to picture on february 10th hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people red carpet limousines coming up an incredible picture of displaying the god's goodness and reminding people that they are kings and queens in the eyes of God. And we are going to love people. We're going to love people where there will be hair and makeup rooms. In fact, I already talked to my barber and she's like, I'm in and I'm bringing 20 of my friends with me. We are going to style up. We're going to put makeup on. It is going to be phenomenal. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be the ability to care for those who are sometimes unseen, sometimes under uh, underserved. And so we're going to come together and it is going to be this beautiful event. So save the date, save the date, February 10th, 2023. This is going to be incredible. But here's what you need to know. This this Willamette Christmas giving is going to more than just this event. In fact, we already received a grant to help pay for this. And so as we gather funds, once this is funded, we are going to continue to help families in need throughout the holiday season. Here's our list of where the Christmas giving is going to. So yes, Night to Shine. Also, Every Child Oregon, Father's Heart Street Ministry. Again, we'll continue to help individuals and families with benevolence. And then First Image Pregnancy Resource Center. During this holiday season, this is the elevated area. This is what happens when people say yes. This is what happens in the book of Ezra. As people come together and say, we want to be a part. We have so many different things to think about, but we want to follow Jesus. We want to do our part. We don't want to just believe in Jesus. We want to live for Jesus. We want to rally together, not just do random nice things, but God has brought together the local church to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to let people know that there is good news That God is not far, but God is near to the brokenhearted. He is close to those whose spirits are crushed. So we've been entrusted with an emphasis on the trust. There is a trust. We're trusting God and he's trusting us and it's a partnership. So every week of this series, if you've been here, you've seen just kind of this biblical principle of give, save, live. We give first, we save second, we live off the rest. And how do we give? We give as priority We make it planned. It's not just random. It's not sporadic. We give a percentage. It's a portion of our life. It's not just a tip here, a little bit there. This is who we are. This is prescribed by God. We're not making stuff up. Just like the people in the book of Ezra didn't make stuff up. They're like, how did God design us? What was his plans and purposes? How are we to organize together? We want to follow that. And as we do, say, God, I'm a piece of work. I got so much more that you need to do in my life, but I'm not waiting around. I'm gonna worship you in the here and now, and I'm gonna trust you that you'll lead us every step of the way. And that's why, friends, we take communion every Sunday because Christ came in the midst of our own exile. While we were far from God, he came near and he restored us redeemed us. If you think about the story of Ezra is the story of us, right? It's a story of restoration and redemption, worship and celebration. It's a story of sacrifice and generosity. God redeems us. God restored us. Out of his great love for us, he was generous with us. His mercy is never-ending. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so we take the elements of communion. We're reminded of the cross. We're reminded that Jesus has saved us. We literally taste and see that the Lord is good. And from the goodness of God, we respond not because we have to, but because we want to. So here's what I'd like to do to close out the service today. We're gonna sing one final song and it's all about how much we love Jesus. The chorus says, Jesus, I love you. And, And it's a reminder of our great love for God because he first loved us. When Jesus gathered his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he distributed it. And he said, whenever you gather, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my body broken for you. So let's do that. Let's remember Jesus and his sacrifice for us and partake of the bread together. Then he distributed the cup to his disciples. He said, whenever you gather, participate, partake of, of this, representing the shedding of my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter when you look in the mirror, what you see, his grace is sufficient for you. Jesus paid the price so that you could be forgiven, so that you could experience new beginnings. Because of what Christ has done on the cross. So let's partake and remember what Christ has done for us. And so now, Father, we come before you. We thank you that you have shown us the way, you've given us the scriptures, you've made it clear that you're for us and not against us, that you have a plan for us to be redeemed and restored, to prosper, to partner with you. And Lord, you have made a way. So we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. God, I pray for every person in this room that our love for you would grow, that we would sing with all of our heart, not because it's the closing song, but because it's the song of our heart, how good you are, and how much we love you. So help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.